Welcome, everyone, to the latest podcast edition of Reimagining Mobility. I'm here with Jose Rubio from our Fuel Cell Canada organization. Welcome, Jose, and thank you for joining me today. Tell me a little bit, what are you guys doing in Canada? Yeah, we're uh, we're a team of about 50 people, 80, 90% engineers and scientists based in Vancouver, BC, Canada, which is a, a global hub for PEM fuel cell stack design. So we do exactly that. We design uh, PEM fuel cell stacks for AVL and uh, AVL customers worldwide. Very good. And and tell me why PEM? Why not SOFC? Up here, I hear SOF. I hear the battle constantly. Right? SOFC is yeah. I know heat is a, is an issue, but hey, I can put a whole lot more different fuels in it. PEM, you know, limited. So why did we? choose PEM as the, the solution, so to speak, or the technology for our fuel cell stacks? Yeah, first, like, like probably the biggest, the biggest point is PEM is, is completely green, can run off renewable hydrogen. So there's zero carbon in any of the process. Now, for sure, it depends on where you get the hydrogen from, but that's where we're talking um, about the hydrogen infrastructure, the landscape that's developing to make sure we have that that um, fully green fuel um, coming in. So PEM fuel cells run exclusively on hydrogen. Um, and in our case, we, of course, turn that hydrogen into electricity, heat, and water, which are the main byproducts of a fuel cell stack. Uh, compared to a SOFC system, uh, the benefit, the main benefit of PEM is that it run, runs at low temperature. Yeah. Um, and it is very fast to start up and shut down. Whereas a PEM system, because it needs a, sorry, an SOFC system, because it needs a large warm up time, those tend to be more um, amenable to um, like um, large installations for steady state requirements. Whereas a PEM system can be very dynamic. But really, so it, those are the two big things. It uh, mm-hmm. runs on green fuel, hydrogen only and uh, and uh, the temperature requirements that, that make one have to start up and, uh, and, and it takes time to get running fully, whereas a pen can come up to speed almost, you know, instantly, really within a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really then a kind of SOFC, probably a great application maybe for a stationary power system that once it's running, it's running for whatever, seven, eight hours until the power's back versus the, the PEM is more for, let's say mobility applications where the power demands vary consistently depending on your driving or maneuver cycle or whatever. Correct. And the, and the power demand is quick as well. Yeah. yeah. So yes, okay. correct. Uh, we're seeing like a lot of movement in the marine space, mm-hmm. uh, long haul truck space. Um, i I can imagine that'll expand to to some stationary as well, um, and there is already. But but in our case, that's where we see the biggest areas being in large commercial trucks and marine. Mm-hmm. I've read over the last couple of months several times about drones that they're talking about on fuel cell, and not just drones, meaning you know people, so air taxis or whatever you want to call it, air mobility uh, mm-hmm. drones, but also for smaller ones, so for packages. Any any experience or opinion on that in, on that area? Yeah, actually, um, we've been uh, working on on some of those uh, that you're mentioning. Actually, um, the what's 
it's a slightly different than an automotive stock, primarily the biggest or automotive uh, marine stock. The primary difference between those is most pen stocks um, that require really high power demand are liquid cooled because they generate have to cool them by liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, in a drone or um, aerospace application, weight is more critical than size. Liquid is heavy. So those stacks tend to be lower power density, but running on air-cooled, which eliminates a more complex system as well. So it can be, um, there's certainly some some benefits to that. And you can imagine, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion um, in like pollution generated from aerospace, like airplanes, aerospace applications. So there is a move within that industry as well to explore running um, like PEM fuel cell stacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were just at CES and we highlighted one of our, from your team's uh, fuel cell stacks. I got a lot of attention, quite frankly, lots of uh, people, I think on one side interested, what in the world is this box? On the other side, oh my gosh, I had no idea you, AVL, were doing this. We've been doing this for years, obviously. And this is now, I believe, what, the second generation that we showcased there or third generation? We've done, at the moment, we've done really like three full stack designs since we've been here. One of the showcase there was the first one that we developed. However, that's currently the one that's available on the market Mm -hmm. that we're we're working on on uh, main projects, but we've already advanced that to another level and started work on a a, a next more power dense application. Although the one that that you showcased is is really already one of the top um, power density stacks that you can get. Right. So it's um, so we've done. I mean, the teams progressed in five years. Three stack designs. That's pretty rare that you'll see in other fuel cell uh, companies. The benefit, um, the reason we can do that is we work with all the suppliers. We work primarily to the A sample phase. Although we do have some SOP projects, but that allows us to turn over and advance designs much more quickly than you'll see in other uh, fuel cell companies out there. Right. Right. Tell me a little bit what what's some of the whatever watt per liter guides that you're trying to achieve. What's the current, let's say, on the market leading edge? Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Where do you see we can get to in the next, let's say, five years based on what you know today from the, let's call it technology roadmap or ability of where we know we can shave off additional inefficiencies to get more efficient? For sure. Um Maybe just to tie back to the aerospace, and then I'll bring it back to, yeah. to the non-air-cooled stacks. For air-cooled stacks, we see the market, um, kind of the top end is around half a kilowatt per liter. Okay. Uh, we're working on a design um, that that is we expect that will double that to one kilowatt per liter. Now, um, for on-the-earth applications, our stack that, that we showcase there at CES is around four point something kilowatts per liter on the low of 4.2, 4. 4.3, 4. 4.1, uh-huh. depending on the second and where you run it. And this is assessed at the standard uh, developed by the Chinese marketplace, which is at 0.6 volts. You can always make those numbers read a higher value or, or spit <laughs> out a higher value if you don't evaluate them at 0.6 volts. Okay. We're doing at standard level. So that's pretty important. And this stack that is in this low fours 
kilowatts per liter is one of the highest ones that are available in the marketplace. Okay. The next generation that we're working on will improve that 30, 40, possibly 50%, depending on the application. So oh, we're talking about that number being in the high fives, mid fives to high fives um, within the next several years. Now you will see if you um, look in the marketplace and Google uh, stack power density, high power density stack, you will hear numbers that are very high. The problem is those aren't taken at that standard level. We can make okay. our numbers uh, also be <laughs> if you don't take that standard level. Sure. So it's a, it's a bit of a, um, a, a trick that's, that's sometimes used, but but I'm glad there's the the, the Chinese um, government has released a standard that we can all compare that evenly, and it's a fair standard. So yeah. yeah. So you're bringing up Chinese and and, and fuel cells. I, I, I see, or I have seen personally, certainly quite a bit of movement globally now with with fuel cell and stack related technologies. Europe. A lot of stationary power, right? We see there, we see it in the US now, as you mentioned, for the mobility space. I've seen it in, in Asia, but not necessarily in, in China as much. So is China leading then that you're saying they're setting a standard or you're just saying this is a good standard that many people are using just because China stepped up and used it? Yeah, I think a lot of the big, um, China has, first of all, more trucks, buses, running on fuel cells than anywhere else in the world. Really? I would even say combined. Okay. <laughs> They're more, oh. it, it's probably just more quiet to our yeah. Westerns. Um, so they do have a lot of momentum and the government has spent a lot of money to support getting hydrogen, doing um, development projects, demo projects to try mm -hmm. to decarbonize the, um, the, the, the grid and, and the, the distribution system in China, which is largely based on coal. So there is a lot. So um, almost any fuel cell company that you look up will have at least one project with someone in China because they're spending significant amount of money to, to get this going. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So going back to your team, I know we've updated the facilities. We have significant amount of testing capabilities there. But correct me if I'm wrong, we're really focusing on the stack, right? Not necessarily on the complete, let's say, power plant, but really that's on the right. stack. And that's what we want to do because we really want to become expert at the stack level as a technology licensing provider, but also as an ability to make AVL as a, as a technology provider smarter do not take a fuel cell stack as a black box and then integrate it into a larger hydrogen-based power plant, but really become expert from, let's say, cradle to grave. Explain a little bit on that, maybe. That's right. When we started, um, what, what specifically sets our location um, apart is we are the global center of excellence in AVL for PEM fuel cell stack. That's based in Vancouver because this has been a hub since the beginning. Um, 20, 30 years of the early technology development. So that's created a significant ecosystem within the area of talent that works mm -hmm. on the stack, knows how to push the edges and achieve the best power density, durability, um, all the key requirements. So, um, yeah, that's right. Like our, our expertise is designing the bipolar plates, 
the catalyst materials that deliver the best performance and durability. In addition to uh, doing the design, we also do the prototyping of those parts. We build stocks and we have a hydrogen safe lab right behind me um, that is able to test those stocks for performance and durability. We also provide an important service that doesn't exist very much within the, the pen fuel cell world, world is that we can take other customer stacks and test them in our lab. So not our designs and not our OEMs that we're working for, but we can run testing as a service here okay. at ABL, which I think is, is quite important because that's generally very limited within the, the, the landscape of, of, of what you can get out there. Um, right. A specific case that where you see that happening it might take three to five years for you to build a facility, get a hydrogen certification to run that in your lab. And, <laughs> and, and you know, that, that's slow. Whereas you can, uh, potential customers and ones that we've actually had come through here have developed a stack. You just have no way to test that. So we can help with not just providing the facility, but trained engineers that know how to operate them, can recommend um, optimum operating strategies for those stacks. So it's, um, it's been um, a good journey, but we're uh, we're now like like very ready to make that test lab available um, to outside customers. Good, and maybe to to wrap things up, if if you look out ten years, maybe based on the trajectory you've had over the last ten years, but look over ten years and say it's not proportionally, but disproportionately, right? Increasing. Where can we get to? I mean, you said we're in the mid. Let's say five and a half, maybe we'll push it six kilowatt hours per liter. Where, where are we going to be in, 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 in 10 years, in your I estimation? I think that's going to level off. You're going to level off? Okay. You know, I don't see that um, at, at most linear. Okay. I think it'll level off. And where it'll come down to is distinguishing your technology for durability, uh, lifetime, mm-hmm pushing 20,000, 30,000 hours. Yeah. Um, as soon as hydrogen infrastructure becomes available. Now that's a big part of the of the whole ecosystem. Um, we have some assessments within ABL that the scope of the market in mobility is probably like 20, 30%. That means 70% of that is stationary um, electrolysis, generating yep. hydrogen so that you can use it in mobility sure. applications. Yeah, or very important. Applications. So in, in those applications, durability is even more important because it's just sitting there idle, generating hydrogen. I'm talking a little bit about electrolysis mm-hmm. versus generation instead of the consumption. But that's where I think um, the the market will go is, is uh, really more focusing. Instead of squeezing out the most power, you know, we don't need an F1 car. We need a Corolla <laughs> that lasts for a long time. It's extremely reliable. So I think that's where it's it, it's going to end up. Uh-huh. Um, so you don't, so again, putting you on the spot here, I'm aware. Are you going to say we're going to get to eight kilowatt hours or even that's a push? I think that's a push, honestly. Is it really? Okay. I think six, seven. Okay. Uh, you know, if you run, if you assess it at a standard level, sure. uh, I think that's, that's, six, seven, maybe around there in 10 years, mm. um, because I think that market's not going to push for as much the extreme power, because we can already get there in the power. Yeah, yeah. It, it make that durable, contain leaks. I mean, hydrogen's tiny, 
hard to contain leaks. Every fuel cell stock, I think this is an important point. You, hydrogen gets a lot of uh, publicity for being dangerous or things like that. It's really much less dangerous than a liquid um, fuel like gasoline because hydrogen disperses very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it disappears right away and doesn't stay con- concentrated. But because it's so small, hydrogen, every fuel cell stack has even the tiniest little bit of leaks. Those are acceptable. Um, it's all about making sure that these levels are contained and diluted okay. at safe levels. So it's okay. I wouldn't worry about a stack that leaks a tiny bit. I'm talking about durability where this becomes an issue in terms of emissions that are not safe. Um, and, and and there will be regulatory requirements that control those emissions. Level. But it's really, again, just doubling down on that. Um, it's the, the durability that I think is going to distinguish, um, you know, who were in the market in 20 years, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And then really final question, because you just touched upon something, regulation. How, in your opinion, how regulated is the market, right? From a from a safety, from a from a testing requirement. I mean, we see this a little bit with, with automotive batteries, right? We're we're learning very fast and things getting added very, very quickly. And the next yeah. thing is recyclability. So there's a traceability for cells. A requirement in Europe now active or going to be active soon as it relates to how do you have to re- recycle a battery. So that ties into now the designs that we also do for our partners. How is that mm-hmm. in the in the uh, fuel cell stack? Just fuel cell stack. Uh, cell yeah, plant. it's. I mean, it's certainly the technologies ahead of the regulations at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are we are seeing. Um, like like requirements being established. Initially, I think those requirements are more stringent than they need to be because people mm. just don't understand the technology. So they're kind sure. of pushing the, the extreme. extreme end of it, which mm. can make you know navigating that landscape a little bit a little bit complicated. But but I think that'll come down as people as we get more knowledge out there about hydrogen, um, the benefits of it are understood and people understand that it's um, it's it's currently in in some some minds out there associated with like bad things that have happened where it's really uh, and there's been a lot of progress in that over the last couple of years um, focusing on the benefits of that okay. and that's uh, that's where I think the the regulations will will follow to to be more more reasonable right okay very good thanks Jose for your time. Yeah, no problem. Insightful, really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.